people believe all kinds of things just because they want to believe them and they hope that it's true. Now, it's, it's very common to hear someone say it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're here. Now, I think it's also interesting that in our culture, it's not a bad thing to believe in God. You hear people all the time say, well, I want to thank God. You know, somebody wins the Super Bowl. I just like to thank God. Somebody uh, wins a, an Emmy. I just like to thank God. You can be on a, a talk show. You can see somebody and they say, I just want to thank God. Nobody wigs out over that. You can talk about spirituality. You can talk about a higher power. You can talk about God. Nobody wigs out until the name Jesus is mentioned. And then everybody wigs out. And, and another little interesting tidbit is no one debates whether Jesus actually lived. People, people think he was a real person, and so they say, well, he was a good teacher. Well, if what he taught wasn't true, he's a liar. If he intentionally taught people lies, he's not a good person. If it's not true and he didn't intentionally teach people lies and he was just confused, then, then he's, he's a lunatic. Or what he taught was true. And people don't like it. Now, people don't, 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 uh, they don't say that Jesus didn't live. They'll tell you, oh yeah, Jesus lived. And in fact, most of his teaching, people love Jesus' teaching. Gandhi said, I love Christ. It's Christians I have a problem with. And, and teaching like help the poor, love others, be generous, forgive those who hurt. Jesus' teachings are phenomenal. So people say, oh yeah, he's a real person. His teachings were good. But, but so then why do they get so upset? There's, there's one little thing that I think causes people to reject Jesus. And it's in John 14, 6. Now, what's going on is Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's getting them ready for when he dies and when he's resurrected, when he goes to heaven. He says, in my father's home, there's many rooms. And he says, I go there to prepare a place, place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and get you. You know where I'm going. And Thomas, doubting Thomas goes, um, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Here's what Jesus says in John 14, 6. Jesus told him, I am the, help me out, what? Now, is that plural? Does it say I'm one of the ways? Jesus says, I am the way. All right. Second, he says, the what? Is that plural? Am I one of the truths that can get you to heaven? No, I am the way, I am the truth. And then he says, what? I am the and, and here, here, if you believe culture, what the scripture says next is anyone can get to the father as long as they're sincere. Is that what he says? This is, here comes the boom. Why people don't like Jesus? Right here. No one can come to the father except through me. Oh, dude. That means every other world religion is wrong. And in our culture, it is not popular to say anybody's wrong. It's not popular to say that, that people sin. And Jesus himself said, there is this very narrow road that leads to life and very few are on it. And he says, there's this huge, wide, super highway headed to hell. And the vast majority of people are on that highway. And that's very unpopular in our world. There's one Jesus. So this statement sets him apart from every other religious teacher to ever walk the earth. And, and in fact, did you know that there's one thing that all other, other religious beliefs, world belief systems have in common? Do you know what it is? They all reject Jesus as the son of God because the moment they say Jesus is the son of God, they have to turn their back on their belief system. So let me just very quickly go through some of this stuff. Buddhism has no God. 
Buddhism has no final type of existence. What Buddhists believe is you just continually reincarnate until you finally get to this level of consciousness that you don't want to necessarily change bodies or forms or whatever. And, and isn't it interesting that when people tell you they believe in reincarnation, they were like, oh, I was, I was a famous football player or I was a famous actress. Nobody was a cockroach. I've, nobody's ever said, I was a cockroach in my pa-. Anyway, you're reborn over and over again. I'm just saying, this way my mind works. Hinduism, very different from Buddhism. Hindus say they have an impersonal God, but God is in everything. God is in that music stand. God is in these lights. God is in the cockroach. God is in everything. All right? Now, neither Buddhism nor Hinduism offer forgiveness of sins or any kind of supernatural intervention intervention into your life. Only karma. We talked about karma last week. So in other words, if you do bad things, then bad things are likely to happen to you. If you flip me off, it's not just an angry pastor chasing you down at high speeds. That's karma. No, karma is not biblical. Karma says if you believe, if you do good things, good things are likely to happen to you. Now, that's why it's, you need to be very careful. I see it all the time. People who claim to be followers of Christ. Karma, karma. Well, you're promoting a religion that is the opposite of Christianity. So stop it. Karma is not biblical. Muslims, they have one God. They are, they are monotheistic. Christians are monotheistic. Okay, that's about the only thing we have in common with Muslims. Because the Muslim God is distant. He uh, is very strict. There's no mercy. There's no grace. There's no forgiveness of sins. There's a total ban on idols, which is kind of interesting to me because even the symbol, the crescent moon symbol, is based on some rock that supposedly fell out of the sky, and it's kind of, they kind of idolize the symbol. So I'm just saying, nobody shoot me. I'm just saying. It's strange to me. Muhammad was the last and greatest prophet. Jesus was also a prophet, but he was not the son of God, and he did not die on the cross for our sins. Even though Allah is distant, and I think he's kind of angry, their God, he still needs your devotion and your works in order to get his, his will done. And that's really strange to me because they have this deterministic attitude which says if something happens, Allah wills it. So somebody falls off a rock, Allah wills it. Somebody flies into the World Trade Center, Allah wills it. That's garbage. Someone chose to sin. Allah didn't will that. Someone chose to sin. And that's the consequence. New Agers, we don't hear a lot about them, but they have no personal God. They do believe in a higher power, a cosmic consciousness, so they kind of want to be at one with the universe. Mormons, Mormons believe that God was once a man who walked this earth and he progressed to Godhood. And you too, if you do the right things in the Mormon church, you can be a God if you're a man and you can have a planet. And women, your only hope in them, I'm just being real honest with you, the only hope in the Mormon church for women is through their husband to become a God. And to have a planet. They don't tell you that when you first walk in because you'd be going, ooh. Jehovah's Witnesses, Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe in hell. They believe it's just in annihilation. When you die, you just are gone. The reason is because the founder of the religion didn't like that. He was an 18-year-old teaching a Bible study. And he started saying, I don't like that. So he started making up his own stuff. And he even made up this organization called the Watchtower Organization, which they... They tell you that if you read the scripture and only the scripture, after two years, you'll come to the same conclusion that Christians do. That's why you need the Watchtower organization to keep you from becoming a Christian. And I have a book over in my office. I've got a book on my shelf. It's called An Index of Watchtower Errors. And there's over a thousand contradictions that the Watchtower has put out. Where And, and it tells you what publication it was in. This contradicts, this contradicts, this. But they're going to say that's God's voice for this world? How does God 
an all-knowing God contradict himself over a thousand times in less than a hundred years. That's as long as they've been around. See, what happens is there is an enemy here on this planet. He's the enemy of everything that God is trying to do. And here's what Paul says about him in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. I didn't put this on the screen. He says, the God of this age, lowercase g, and that means Satan. All right, so I'm just going to clear this. Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of, that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, who is exactly like God. The reason people believe this stuff is because their minds have been blinded by Satan. Christians, Christianity is the only one that has a personal God who says, I love you so much, and I know you can't get to heaven on your own, so I'm going to send a Savior to die in your place. And if you will accept him, you get into heaven based on the fact that he was perfect. If you reject him, you must stand before God and say, God, I want to get into heaven based on my life, what I've done. And even one sin... God, God lives in a perfect place called heaven. You can't let even one sin in. So if you, going to, if you are insisting on standing before God based on your life, you will go to hell. It's not a popular teaching, but it's the truth. Are all these religions the same? Not even close. And the Christian God, here's the thing. I, I, one of the things I like about the Christian God, my God, is he's the only one of any of these religions who condemns people for putting religion above relationships. Did you hear me? So if you're in a church that values religion more than people, they're wrong. Because Jesus Christ didn't come to start a religion. He came to enable us to have a relationship with his father. And... and <laughs> Saying that all, all religions are the same is like saying you can pull out of our parking lot, turn right on 155, and if you go long enough, and if you believe it sincerely enough, you'll eventually get to Galveston. <laughs> and if any of you wants to try, I will buy you a GoPro and, and 8,000 little SD cards so you can stick it in your, in your, stick it, you can put it in your front... <laughs> God, I got to think more before I speak. You can, you can put it in your, your dash cam and you can drive and I want to see when you finally get to Galveston. You better have an amphibious something and one heck of a defroster when you go across the tundra. We, uh, we were in New York a couple weeks ago, went for Rachel's um, graduation present and we got an unlimited pass to the subway. And uh, subway is kind of confusing, right? You got to know where you're going. So many times I got on the right color train but when I'm going down, see, I, if I'm up above ground, you give me a map, I can get anywhere. I go underground. I'm, I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like a gopher. It's like a, it's like a mole. And I'm like, dude, which way is which? And so I'd get on and, and I'd say, girls, I have no idea. Me, Janie, and Rachel, and Hannah, I have no idea where we're going. And we'd hop on the train. I'd say, this is the right color. We'd hop on the train and, and then we would look. Praise God, they had these things on the, on the side that would tell you the next stop. And I'd go, I don't recognize any. I would try to memorize the next four stops, you know, of where we're supposed to go. Uh-uh, that ain't on there. So we would hop off the next one. We'd walk around. We'd get on the right one. And then I'm like, whew, thank God we're on the right one. By the third day, we finally figured out the, the subway system. But it didn't matter how sincerely we thought we were on the right train if it's going the wrong direction. You pull out here and you go right and you think you're going to get to Galveston. The further you're on that road, the longer you're on that road, the further you are from your destination. It's exactly what happens when someone follows a false God. You want to get to heaven, but you end up further and further and further from heaven. 
Now, today, very quickly, I'm just going to tell you about Jesus. I don't want you to consider Christianity. I don't want you to consider religion. I don't even want you to consider this church. All I want you to con- do is consider Jesus. And let me explain what I'm talking about. Um, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm biased. But that does not mean I'm wrong. Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to show you how to get to heaven. And he came to show you that you needed a savior. So look at Jesus, ask, if it, is he for real? And I want you to consider three things today. First, consider the ministry of Jesus. If you don't like that word ministry, consider the work that Jesus came to do. What did Jesus do? Let's look at his life very quickly. Mark two sixteen and 17. But when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Sound like some religious leaders that you've been around? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are what? Sinners. Jesus was eating with tax collectors. Now, you've got to understand, there, there actually were classifications of sin. Tax collector, believe it or not, was the lowest. And I've told some of you this before. They, there, were, there were jobs which it was considered acceptable for a father to allow his daughter to marry a man who had this job. One of the jobs was tax collector. That was not acceptable. One step, not making this up, one step above tax collector was dung collector. Poo collector. There was a job. And it was more acceptable for your daughter to marry a poo collector than to hang out with, much less marry a tax collector. And Jesus is having dinner with tax collectors who are lower than dung collectors. And just so that you're sure, it's not just tax collectors. It says tax collectors and other sinners. So there's lots of sinners there. And, and the uh, religious guys, they didn't like this. How dare you hang out with such scum? But instead of asking Jesus, they go to his followers. Isn't that like religious people? Religious people don't come to you. They'll talk to somebody else that they hope comes to you and condemns you. Don't go to Jesus, go to his followers. And they said, why does Jesus eat with these people? They were protectors. And, and, they, legitimately, their job was to protect the religion, but really they were protecting themselves and the, their way of life. They had no desire to protect God. And, and they thought no righteous person would eat with those kind of people. They're too dirty, they're too filthy, they're too full of sin. And what does Jesus do? What does Jesus say? He said, healthy people don't need a what? A doctor. What kind of people need a doctor? Sick people. And the next part is just awesome. Jesus said, I've come to call not those who think they're what? Religious people think they're righteous. Religious people cause folks to walk away from God. Religious people, Jesus said, when you convert someone to your religion, you make them twice as much a son of hell. Religious people lead people away. Jesus didn't come for religious people. He came for sinners. For whom did he come? He said, I came for sinners. How many of you would say you've sinned? You've messed up. You've thought a bad thought. You've said something. You've... you've, given the universal sign of you're bad when you've been cut off on the road, you know. All right, yeah, okay. Jesus came for you. If you're perfect, Jesus didn't come for you. If you're religious, Jesus didn't come for you. Jesus came for people who knew they were sinners and knew that they could not get back to him. People like you and me who just couldn't seem to get it right. Jesus was drawn to people that others despised and rejected. The folks that the religious folks refused to be around, that's the people Jesus was drawn to, and they were drawn to him. He loved them and sought them out. For example, when the woman, woman was caught in adultery, remember the guys brought her in, they said, the law says to stone her. And Jesus was like, okay, you're right. The law says stone her. Go ahead and stone her. But whoever is without sin, you throw the first stone. Did anybody stone her? When everybody left, 
Jesus looked down and he says, where are your accusers? And she said, there are none, Lord. And he said, neither do I accuse you or neither do I condemn you. But then he said, go and sin no more. He called it sin. He didn't call it an indiscretion. He didn't call it an oops moment. He didn't even call it an affair. He called it the sin of adultery. Jesus, nobody ever (laughs) acted like Jesus and did the things that Jesus did. He opened blind eyes. He healed deaf ears. He caused the mute to speak. He touched the lepers and lepers were untouchable because it was such a um, contagious disease that people thought they would get the disease. And so lepers had to live outside the city. They had to cry out unclean, 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 unless they got within 30 yards of you. They could be killed if they didn't do that because you might catch their disease. And Jesus walked up and touched them and the crowd went, Jesus did things nobody else did. He turned water into wine, which is still a problem for my Baptist friends, even today. He multiplied the loaves and the fish to feed 5,000 men. He walked on water. He raised the dead. And here's what's crazy. None of his critics, even in that day, none of his critics ever disputed the miracles that he did. What they said was, please stop doing those miracles. Please stop helping people because you're causing people to leave our religion to follow you. Stop it, stop it, stop it. He didn't stop it. It got him killed. See, what what I want to share with you today is some of you in this room are miracles of the ministry of Jesus, miracles of the work of Jesus. And, and I wrote down several names that are miracles of, of Jesus working in their lives. One of them is my buddy, Timmy Quick. I didn't know Timmy. I didn't know Timmy when he was the mean Timmy. I've heard stories. He's told me, Tina's told me, Trisha's told me. Something happened and a man named Jesus came into Timmy's life and radically changed him. Timmy's one of my favorite people on the planet. Not only has God saved him and he has an eternity in heaven, but God's healed him. Because God has a plan for Timmy in this life. George Stanley, George's not here today. They're celebrating their anniversary. They've been trying for like three weeks to go celebrate their anniversary. But George came for three years trying to find something wrong with our church and specifically me because he didn't like preachers. And, and I'll never forget the day he came up to me after he'd been here three years, walked up right here. And he said, I guess I need to be baptized. I said, why? And he said, cause I prayed. I said, when he said like three months ago, he didn't tell Rebecca, didn't tell me. One of the coolest things was in May, about two years ago, three years ago, baptized George, Rebecca, Little George, Madison, and Matthew. Holy cow. This was an angry man who loved to fight. If you know George, dude, he did our self-defense class. He hurt me without even trying. Come here, Doug. I'm like, I am glad you're a brother in Christ. Quit hurting me. Danny Warren, Danny's off working. God rocked Danny's. I talked to Danny out here, um, I guess it was about a year ago. And, and he and Kayla were having some, some serious problems in their marriage. And, and God did some crazy things in them. They started coming. Kayla, I, I love Kayla because she told him, she's like, dude, I'm going to church with or without you. He's like, okay. Started coming. They've been coming ever since. And God has transformed their lives. Barney Barnes, I saw Barney come in. Dude, I remember when D- Barney came to the first small group back there. 
And, and his eyes were wide, and we've, we've joked about this because, um, dude, people opened up, and they were some of the most raw, real things we talked about that night, and, and we can't share with you because then we'd have to kill you, but um, what happens in small group stays in small group, but stuff happened. I talked to Barney afterwards. I said, dude, I hope that didn't freak you out, and he goes, no, not at all. He said, I needed to hear every bit of it. Barney's given his life to Christ and God has changed him. Barney's not perfect. Timmy's not perfect. George and Danny, they're not perfect. But I just, I wrote all these people down. My whole stinking small group is a miracle, right? If you, we need to take pictures and show you. Miracle of Jesus, miracle. You know, it's kind of the opposite of the wanted pictures. I mean, we all probably were wanted at one time. I mean, me included. And and God's done some crazy things. Greg and Nicole Verretto. Um, just, oh man, Travis and Jamie, actually, I could go on and on. I could actually go through the, the, the pews and pews. Goodness. We don't have pews. I could go through the chairs and I could point out that you're a miracle of Jesus. So when you're thinking about the religions of the world, I want you just to look at the millions and millions of people whose lives were on one path and something happened and they changed. And what happened was Jesus came into their life life and he changed them forever. Second thing I want you to consider, consider the ministry, the work of Jesus, consider the resurrection of Jesus. God loves you, but he hates sin. That's why Jesus was born of a virgin, so he wouldn't inherit a sin nature from an earthly sinful father. He was without sin, and that's why he could go to the cross and become sin for us. And, and you've got to picture this. On the cross, when creation, the creator, was being mocked by what he had created. He, was, he had um, nails driven through his wrists. He had nails driven through his, his feet. He'd already been beaten beyond recognition. And he was hung on an item of torture. In the middle of all that, Jesus looks up to his father and he says, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. That's the kind of guy I want to follow. And, and when he, right before he breathed his last, he said, it is finished. The work that God wanted him to do is finished so that you and I might have a way into heaven. He said, into your hands I commit my uh, spirit. There was a centurion, someone who was not a believer who was standing there. A centurion was somebody who was in charge of a hundred Roman soldiers. The centurion has watched the whole thing. He was in charge of making sure Jesus suffered. He was in charge of making sure Jesus was dead. When Jesus died, he said, into, my, into your hands I commit my spirit. It says that the, the earth went dark from noon till 3 p.m. And there was an earthquake and the, and the uh, veil in the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And the centurion who had watched all this, he goes, surely this man was the son of God. Three days later, the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty. And everyone agrees the tomb was, tomb was empty. Even today, no serious person believes that Jesus was in the tomb. What happened? God happened. Here's what Peter said happened in Acts 3.15. Peter said it this way. He's talking to Jews. He said, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are, what did he say we are? Witnesses of this fact. I want you to say it again. We are what? Did you know there were eyewitnesses that saw Jesus dead on Friday who saw him alive Sunday and later? He appeared over a period of 40 days to different people. Groups of one, groups of two, groups of a dozen, group of 120. There's one time when Jesus appeared alive. 500 eyewitnesses saw him alive. We convict people when there's one or two witnesses. And skeptics will say, well, the Roman soldiers, they went to the wrong tomb. Well, that's, that's kind of funny. <laughs> Do you know if the enemies of Jesus could have produced a dead body of Jesus, the whole Christianity movement would have died with him right there and you'd never even heard his name. But everybody, skeptics, enemies, followers of Jesus, they all said the tomb was empty. Some people say, well, the disciples stole the body. Well, you've got to believe that 11 uneducated fishermen and tax collectors 
overpowered 16 trained Roman guards. And, and even if they had, and they got Jesus out, don't you think the guards would have said, hey, they took the body. Don't you think that, that somebody, because they kept this secret, that you have to believe that they, they concocted the most elaborate hoax in history, and they kept the secret till their grave, even to the point of dying rather than renouncing their faith. The same guys who on the night Jesus was arrested ran in fear. Jesus is arrested, boom, they're gone. They're nowhere to be found. Get away, get away. Because it might happen to us. What happened to them between that time and then the end of their lives? They saw Jesus alive and it transformed them from cowards into men who said, I will never again renounce my Jesus. You remember we talked about, I said it a while ago, doubting who? Thomas. Doubting Thomas. He, was, he, was the, he wasn't there one time when Jesus appeared to the disciples. And they said, we've seen the Lord. And he said, I will not believe unless I put my hands in the nail scars in his wrist. I will not believe unless I put my, my hand in the sword uh, where the spear pierced Jesus in the side. I won't believe unless I touch and see. So Jesus shows up a couple days later and he goes, Thomas, come here. Look at, look at the nail scars. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Thomas became an evangelist to the country of India and told everybody about Jesus in India. And one time they took him to a cave and they said, renounce Jesus or you die. And he said, I will never again renounce my Jesus. And they shoved a spear through his, through his uh, heart and he died. What would make the one who once was a doubter suddenly say, I'll never doubt again? It's because he saw Jesus alive. Consider Jesus, consider his ministry, consider that he came for sinners, consider the resurrection. Eyewitnesses were willing to die rather than renounce Jesus, and then consider the message of Jesus. Here it is, got to finish this. We are made right with God by placing our faith, where do we place our faith? In Jesus Christ. Thanks, one person paying attention. We are made right with God by placing our faith where? In Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. We place our faith in Jesus Christ, not in the Supreme Court of the United States. We place our faith in Jesus, not in the executive, not in the legislative, not in the judicial branch. We do not place our faith in government because governments are made up of people and the God of this age can blind the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the gospel of Christ. And even though I totally disagree with the decision that the Supreme Court made, God's still on the throne. And if nothing else... This had better wake up the church that says they follow Jesus Christ. We have far too long been an unpraying people. And did you know that the Holy Spirit will not waste his time with an unpraying person or an unpraying church? Because he's got bigger things to do than worry about whether you're going to follow him with all of your life. And y'all know, I've said this for years since we started this church, behavior modification is not my job. My job is to love people, tell them the truth, and let God change them. And I will continue to do that. If somebody who is in, in homosexuality comes in this church, I'm going to love them and I'm going to tell them the truth. If somebody's in adultery it comes in this church, I'm going to love them and tell them the truth. If somebody is into drugs, I'm going to love them and tell them the truth. My job has not changed. We put our faith in Jesus Christ, and he says, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you're a homosexual, you can come to Christ. It doesn't matter if you're an adulterer, you can come to Christ, and your sins will be washed away. Now, the problem is when we continue in sin. And, and the, thing that, that, the thing that really bothers me, because my pastor friend Cameron that was here for preteen uh, retreat 
we, we had lots of discussions about this when the decision came out. The thing that really, really made my heart sink was, first of all, we legalized something that God said is sin. Um, God defined marriage when he created humans. There is no human who has a right to redefine marriage. And, and yes, we're not to judge. This is all I've heard. Don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. Do you know if you never judge anybody, you can't be on a jury? The Bible says that make sure you take the plank out of your own eye before you take the speck out of your brother's eye. Okay, we're not supposed to judge. I'm, I'm not going to go. You're not going to see me post anything on Facebook because I don't think you settle anything on Facebook. You're not going to see me with my little signs marching out. Ah. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But if I ever have a chance to sit down one-on-one with somebody... And they ask me questions, I'll tell them the truth in, in, in love. What really bothers me is that we have now not only legalized something that God said is sin, we're celebrating it. And, and tell me, what other sin do we do this with? I'm an alcoholic, let's have an alcoholic pride parade. I'm an adulterer, let's have an al- adultery pride parade. You don't see it. And somebody will probably hear this and I'll probably get thrown in jail and that's all right. Amen that I get thrown in jail. We can't get rid of him any other way. Uh, amen. And, and uh, I will never perform a homosexual wedding. Can't do it. And, and if, if that offends you, I'm sorry. I have a higher power that I answer to. I'll go to jail. I'm not going to back down on what I believe the scripture teaches. Yes, I love people. But those of you who know me well, those of you in my small group, you know that I call sin, sin. Even if you're doing it. If I'm sinning, I'm going to admit that. And I'm going to ask God to forgive me. I don't think I'm better than you. I think we're all accountable to a holy God. And I think, I think America's on this slope that is more dangerous than anything I thought I would face in my lifetime. I have told people in Haiti for six years, I come here to teach you about Jesus because there may be a day that I need you to come tell my grandkids or my great-grandkids in the United States of America. Because religious freedoms are being taken away all the time. And it's time that we stand up and say, we're going to follow God regardless of the cost. Let me finish this. I'm sorry, I got off on that. I'm not sorry. Christianity is Christ plus nothing. It's not Christ plus good works. It's not Christ plus baptism. It's not Christ plus church membership. It's not Christ plus giving money. It's Christ plus nothing. You don't have to clean yourself up. You can't clean yourself up enough to be acceptable to God. You accept God. He cleans you up. Religion is about me. Religion is about how do I perform? What do I do to be good enough that I earn God's favor? Religion is about me. But Jesus is not about religion, and I'm not talking about religion. Jesus is about relationship. He came to show us the love of God. Religion is about me. Relationship is about Jesus. 
Relationship says that because God loves me, I'm obedient. I don't obey to try to earn the favor of God because I am overwhelmed that he would die in my place. I obey because he loves me. I respond to his love and I obey. Religion, let me just, this is it. This is the last two things. Religion is spelled D-O. Do. It's what you do to try to earn God's favor. Relationship or Christianity, relationship is spelled D-O-N-E. It's what Jesus Christ did on the cross. It is done. It is finished. There is nothing you can add to what Jesus did. There's no way you can be good enough to add to what Jesus did. He takes you as you are because he loves you. He loves you too much to leave you where you are, and he moves you to be more and more like Jesus if you will allow his Holy Spirit to have access in your life. Let's bow your heads for a moment. There's no way I knew who was going to be here today. But God did. And there's some folks here today who if they die tonight, they will not go to heaven because they don't have a relationship with Jesus. They don't like religion. Quite honestly, they don't like Christians. Many times I can't blame them. But somebody here needs to give your heart to Jesus today. And, and it's very simple. In the scripture, it says, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And the way we call on the Lord here is we just say, God, will you forgive my sin and lead my life? If you would be willing to pray that right where you are, just pray that. God, please forgive my sin and lead my life. If you mean those words, you're adopted into the family of God. I got to talk to a young man Friday night who prayed for the very first time. He'd never asked Jesus to forgive his sins and lead his life. And I said, the Bible says that there are angels who rejoice in heaven when one sinner turns from his sins and asks God to forgive him and lead him. I pray that there's a celebration today. If you need more information, man, grab me, grab any of those people I mentioned earlier. Grab Joe and we will, we'll talk to you and, and answer all your questions. If it takes years, we'll answer your questions because we want you to be in the kingdom. Father, I pray that you pour out your mercy and your grace on this nation, one nation under God. Whether we want to be under you or not, we are under you. So God, wake up your people and use something that we can't even imagine. Use that to bring people into the kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We have three baskets in the back. I got to go fast because Miss Janie is telling those kids, Pastor Doug is in trouble. Um, We have three baskets in the back. One is our joy basket. That's how we give here. You either give in the basket or you can give at nlccp.com. There's, there's about 12 to 15 folks that give every week through the, the, it's a recurring payment. We praise God for that. If you want to do that, check that out. There's a little box on our website. Second thing is our registration card basket. If today was the day, that, if you prayed that prayer, write that on the back. If it's the first time that you've ever prayed that, write that on the back. And, because I've got some stuff that I want to send to you or, or hand to you if you stay around long enough today. Third is our bagel basket. We, uh, everything that goes in there, we are debt-free, and we, we have committed to God that we will be debt-free as long as I'm alive. 
<laughs> I don't know who comes after me, but as long as I'm alive, this church is going to be debt free. Everything that goes in the bagel basket is going to pave our parking lot. We're going to pour a concrete parking lot. What we've determined is is about one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. So we're we're about a third of the way there. So money that goes in there that goes straight to that. Um, we'll have a covered thirty by thirty covered drop off. It's going to be awesome. Um, so anyway, everything that goes in there, and by the way, when we pay for that, I intend to get rid of the bagel basket because the people of God, I believe, are going to be obedient to give because they love God, not because they're trying to earn God's favor. Stand up, hug three people, and tell them if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. You're dismissed. <laughs>